Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Well, it's good to be back again. I hope you're not too tired of listening to me. <laughs> yes, yeah, the one one. <laughs> Yeah, my wife always tells me, she's in the front and says, enough, enough. <laughs> she's my timer, you know, and she, and uh, yeah, one thing I learned uh, from Proverbs is to let your words be few, and it's a very difficult task for a pastor, right? My name is Mike, when they give me a mic, <laughs> you can't stop it, but this morning I, I, I want to... Uh, I want to thank the worship team again, you know, really, you, you lead us to God's presence, and uh, I really believe worship is an important aspect of uh, revelation, receive revelation. Most of my sermons I receive when I worship, right, God puts that thought and says, get ready with this message. Sometimes those messages are written down for years, and, and then op- God opens up. And so worship is a time to listen. It's a very good time to listen. Amen. And uh, so thank you for leading us into God's presence and the atmosphere, the unknown, unseen, we can move in when through worship. Uh, Jacob saw the ladder going up to heaven. I believe worship is angels coming and going up and down, both, not one way. <laughs> and so uh, God wants us to worship and it opens heaven up. Hallelujah. This morning, before I speak, I quickly want to share a short presentation about uh, what relates to the message later on, but about the work uh, we are involved in, uh, the, uh, the unfinished task, the unfinished task. So Jesus gave the Great Commission to the 11 disciples. One dropped out. <laughs> he says 11 came, and then uh, he had the, what you call today, we call it the Holy Holy deduction or whatever it is, out of 12, one left, died, committed suicide, isn't it? <laughs> how about your church leader committing suicide? <laughs> and how do you feel about it? Jesus, Judas committed suicide, but yet uh, his mission didn't commit suicide. Amen? Jesus' mission did not die. Hallelujah. And so when he gave this great commission, uh, the unfinished task, Today, I just want to quickly have a look at it. Uh, uh, yeah, if you can keep moving. Uh, do I see that? Oh, okay. Uh, if you take the world today, you know, Jesus gave Acts 1 8, go, you shall be my witness to the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth. Uh, so the gospel has actually gone to the ends of the earth. Do you know that in the 2000 years? Every nation the gospel has gone to. Hallelujah. <laughs> Started with the 11 ends of the earth. A lot of people ask me, do you go to Jerusalem? I said, uh, I have no desire to go to Jerusalem because Jesus never said to come to Jerusalem. He said, from Jerusalem <laughs> to the ends of the earth. So I have only one desire, and that is to go to an island called Pictrine Island, 19,600 miles from Jerusalem. That's the furthest point in the Pacific. It's about 1,000 miles from New Zealand. That's the end. That's a, 
That's the furthest part. Our mission is out there, right? <laughs> but thank God the gospel went about 100 years ago there. There are only 40 residents in that island. And, and the Presbyterians took the gospel there. So Acts 1.8 in terms of taking the gospel to the ends of the earth has happened. But in, as I mentioned yesterday, Jesus also gave a commission about Matthew 24.14, where he said, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to every nation. The word nation is ethne. The word ethne means the ethnic groups. When Jesus gave that commission, he said, then only the end shall come. Okay, then the end shall come. So out of the 17,000 ethnic groups uh, that uh, people have identified, the world has identified all these groups. Uh, thank God about 12,000 has been reached with the gospel. Hallelujah. But there are about 5,000 to be reached. We call them the unreached people groups, the ethnic groups. And, and most of them, uh, is a presentation working? I can't see if it's on. Or, uh, if it's not. Uh, okay. I like pictures. You know, I, I speak five languages. I speak English, Sinhalese, and Tamil, and speak in tongues. <laughs> and the last language is pictures. <laughs> I love pictures. My mind works on image. I don't know. My mind doesn't work on text. Do you know that? Your mind doesn't either. Amen? Do you realize that? A lot of people, we expect God to give a text message on their mind. <laughs> and they're waiting. God saying, thus saith the Lord. It doesn't work. God works in images. That's why the prophets were called the, the, the seers. And I want you to learn, if you are a pastor or a leader, learn to get those images. Amen? When I say apple, do you, do you get the word A-double-P-A-P-P-L-E? No, you get the picture. That's why kids, we teach the pictures first. Because that's how our mind works. And I know some of you have been saying, God, is not speaking to me. We are expecting a text message. But he's giving you images. Pictures. Hallelujah. Don't dismiss them. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you what it means and He will direct you. He's a, he's a spirit of truth. Hallelujah. So I think my PowerPoint is not working. Okay, so I just want to go share that this, out of these 5,000 left, there are uh, most of them, out of the 3,000, are in southern Asia where we live. In India, Nepal, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, Bhutan, Maldives, and Pakistan. Seven nations. I pray every morning, night, Lord Jesus, don't come tonight. <laughs> if you come tonight, 1.5 billion people in my region will go to hell. That's, that's the reality. And one day I had to stand before God and give an account. The blood of the people. So Jesus is not coming soon, as I said yesterday. He is coming soon, but the soon may be different in how you think about it. We have to finish the task. We have to take the gospel to those 5,000 unreached people groups. And so that's why about five years ago, I decided I'm going to transition from my pastoring and other roles and really found my real calling, right? <laughs> to take the gospel to those 5,000 unreached people groups. So I work with a network of people where we, we train, develop, cast vision. Most people even don't know about it. That they, think, uh, they think, you know, just keep on evangelizing. 
but it's not. We have to specifically target those 5,000. Then only the end will come. Amen. And most of them, about 3,000 of them, they call him the least rich, unrich and the least rich. And most of them don't have a church, don't have a believer, and don't have a Bible in their context. And so I'm a part of a network called Finishing the Task. We want to see it happen. Hallelujah. In our time, it's, it's possible. Hallelujah. It's possible. Um, I wonder whether the presentation is working or not. Okay, doesn't matter. Um, but I want to read this, this morning from the book of uh, Deuteronomy chapter 9, if you can turn to that. If you can put that text up, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 1. Um, this is what the Lord says, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 1. He says, hear, O Israel, listen. God said, listen, hear. I believe one of the greatest possibilities you have is to listen, isn't it? Unless you are deaf. <laughs> Uh, but you can hear when God speaks. Hear, hear, O Israel. This morning, God is speaking to you. Listen. When you listen, you, things will begin to change in your life. Because faith counts by hearing, listening. Amen. Listen, O Israel. You are to cross over Jordan today. God is speaking to you about today, what you're going to do today. You're going to cross over this Jordan today. And to go and dispossess nations greater and mightier than yourself, cities great and fortified up to heaven, and a people great and tall, descendants of Anakim, whom you know, of whom you heard it said, who can stand before the descendants of Enoch, or before giants, before giants. I believe God has called us, it's quite obvious from this, God has called us for something bigger than ourselves. Amen? Remember that. If you are doing something within your means, within your capacity, then that's you. But if God is working, it's always bigger. Don't be frightened about that. Don't get scared when God speaks to you big things. These were slaves come out of Egypt after 400 years. They had a mentality of being suppressed, being, being, being under control. Now God says, now look, you're going to conquer nations, cities, and giants. Hallelujah. That's your destiny. You are called to conquer nations. That's why I, I said I'm the ethne, the goyim in the, in the Hebrew word, the nations. That we are called to con conquer, the nations, cities, and giants. A lot of people ask me, how many people are in your church? Every pastor, the dreaded question, right? <laughs> Isn't it? Especially when you go to conferences. I used to pastor a big church, and then I went and started a pioneer church. We had only about 20 people, and I went to, I, I dreaded going to the conference because they would ask, Pastor Michael, how many in your church? <laughs> Do you want to know how many in my church? In my church, I have 1.5 million people who don't come on Sunday. <laughs> because in my city, there's 1.5 million people. I don't pastor a building or a church or a crowd inside. I pastor my city. God has put you. He said, I have called you to take nations and cities. And I want you to know, if you're a pastor this morning... Begin to change your identity. 
begin to pastor your city. Now I pastor nations, kingdoms. Hallelujah. That's what God has called. Who are these people? They are just slaves. Just come out. But God is saying, that's your destiny. That's your destiny. Nations mightier than you. Cities great and tall to up to heaven. Giants, the descendants of Enoch. And then he asks the question, who can stand? It is said, who can stand before the giants? Whenever I hear a negative statement, I always challenge it. Listen, I want you to know as a leader, whenever you need, hear any negative statement, don't accept it. Don't tolerate it. Don't entertain it. And they ask the question, who can stand before giants? And today there are many sentences, or I don't know the word, English word, many uh, uh, statements we tolerate. And Israel, they tolerated this statement for who can stand before giants? Because nobody could stand before giants until one man. And this morning I want to talk about one man who can make the, the statement different. Hallelujah. And as you all know, one man who stood before the giant. My brother was a pastor. He pastored in Australia, actually. He was in Newcastle. And then he came to Sri Lanka. And then he used to say, uh, he used to say the psalm, no one reads. You know the psalm, no one reads? <laughs> you know the psalm, no one reads? Psalm 23, because we are so familiar with that psalm. We never read it, right? We know immediately, Lord is my shepherd. I... And, and, and I believe this is a story no one reads because we were taught this story from our childhood, every Sunday school, even the worldly people say, you know, like David and Goliath. So we have, we have familiarity has robbed us the revelations of the possibility of standing before giants. If I, were, I would ask you this question, do you know the story of David and Goliath? Yes, he took some stones and a sling and kill the giant. But there's more to the story than that. And I believe you are the generation that's going to rise up before giants. Hallelujah. You're going to defy generational statements. Maybe you have said, who can stand? You can stand. Hallelujah. And so I want you to turn to First King, uh, sorry, First Samuel 17. Uh, again, the story you never read, right? <laughs> you know, you heard, but you never took time to read. But as I, I want to share this morning as we go through this chapter, 1 Samuel 17, the generation that will stand before the giants. Hallelujah. Are you that generation? <laughs> Are you that generation? Number one, it says in verse one, now the Philistines or Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soko and in Judah and pitched the camp in Ephesdamimin or he said between Soko and Aseka. I don't know. Yeah, it's there. Okay. Yeah, they pitched the camp. The Philistine, they pitched the camp in Soko. Everybody looked at this giant and saw how big it was. But when he came to David, the first principle is that he saw that giant, that giant is standing in a place called Soko, which belongs to Judah. 
In the book of Joshua, God used Joshua to divide the land and he gave Soko as a part of the inheritance of the tribe of Judah. While everybody looked at the armor, the size, and somebody, the reporter, the media gave detailed description. If you next five scriptures, detailed descriptions. They said devil is in the details, right? <laughs> His height, where he came from. He came from Gath, it says. All the details are given. And today, sometimes the details, the media makes us so negative and say that it's not possible. But David looked at it and said, I know where he's standing. It doesn't matter the side. That's my inheritance. That belongs to Judah. And I want you to know whatever the giant you are facing right now, maybe in your ministry, in your personal life, maybe in your nation, he is standing in your inheritance. That's why David did not have to go with huge weapons. I know it's difficult for me to illustrate in this nation, especially Western nations, in our part of the world. If a dog comes to your property, we have a lot of stray dogs, you know. We don't go with the AK-47. We don't go with a big bulldozer to chase him out. We just take some stones <laughs> and chase them off the property. And that's why when David saw this man, he said, first of all, he's standing in my destiny. Right now, I want to tell you, right behind your giant is your destiny, your inheritance in Christ, whatever it may be. I used to be a very fearful person. I couldn't stand before people. And my fears always was a giant, but I didn't realize that fear was standing right behind, right in front of my destiny. Until I knew the word of God, which says God has not given to me a spirit of fear but a spirit of power, love, and sound mind. Hallelujah. When God calls you, it's very scary in one sense, <laughs> because it's big. But don't, don't, don't give up. Remember, behind that fear is your destiny. The enemy is standing right behind, right in front of your inheritance. Number two is that the enemy's strategy it says in verse 4, a champion named Goliath from God came out. Uh, it says, it goes on in verse 10 to 11. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel. Verse 10 and 11. And give me a man. And on, on hearing the words, Saul and the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. And verse 16, it says, the Philistine drew near and presented himself 40 days, morning and evening. Said the same statement, 40 days. The enemy has only one strategy, and that is the lies. The only strategy the enemy has is lies. He began in the garden with our um, great-great-grandmother, right? Eve. Did God truly say that? Did God really say? He, he told lies. He said, you will not die. You are not like God yet. When God said, I have created in, you image, in my image and my likeness, he came and said, you are yet to become like God. Only if you do this, you be like God. During the Second World War, Germany, Hitler wanted to mobilize his nation to conquer the world. It was a small nation. We know it's not so big as any other nations. 
But he believed in the possibility of conquering the world. And so he went to his uh, propaganda man. His name is Goebbels. I think you read about it. They call it Goebbelism now. But what Goebbels said to Hitler was, if you tell a lie long enough every day, they will believe it eventually. That's the truth. And so Goebbels was given that assignment as a propaganda minister. He was not an army general, but he had the capacity to tell the truth. Tell the lie, you know, it sounded like truth. I believe today Christians have over and over again, listen, 40 days it says, 40 days, every day, this man came and said the same thing. And I want to challenge this, evening, this morning to leaders that are lies the enemy has put in your mind. And some of those lies after many years have become so concrete in your mind. And when it comes to giants, you will go back and say, who can stand before the giant? But I believe this morning, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. Hallelujah. David knew the truth. And that's why he went there without. He, the Bible says when they listened, they all ran away. <laughs> when they heard the giant. But David went beyond that. I believe this truth is one of the most powerful, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. As I mentioned on the first day, I, I, I only use the word, the word only, the word only. Not my opinions, not my feelings. The greatest enemy that today we all have is the three things. I think, I feel, and I will, isn't it? Right? I think, I feel, I will. If you are living with that, those three rules in your life, you are, you are deceived. Because your thoughts are not what you think. It's not the, 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 it's not the facts that set you free. It's the truth of God's word. Amen. Amen. So that's why I told you as a pastor, I soak myself with the word of God. Because the enemy is so subtle. Because Paul wrote to Corinthians and says, so, so that enemy will not subtly deceive you with his lies as he did with Eve. Hallelujah. Lies of the devil. The third thing, this is what I heard from a pastor. Uh, he, he's, there's a pastor called Tony Evans in the U.S. He's very crude. Since you all are adults, I, I want you to I hope you understand what I'm saying because when everybody looked at the arm and everything, David looked at one area of this giant, not the helmet, not the hand, not the sword, not the spear. He went and told the king, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? That's what he looked at. He realized that I am different than this man. He doesn't matter how big it is. I belong to Abraham's seed. I am, I am of the circumcision. I belong to the covenant that God gave Abraham. In you all the nations shall be blessed. I have the promise that I can stand before nations, kingdoms, giants. Because I am the seed of Abraham. I am a circumcised. But this guy, doesn't matter how big it is, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Today, maybe you have looked at all the impossibilities, 
But I want you to look at yourself and realize I am different. Hallelujah. I am different. I belong to the covenant relationship with God. I can't stand before giants. Hallelujah. You know, one of the greatest challenges I had as a youth was to go with the crowd, you know, go with the flow. Isn't it? Today, the next generation, the greatest challenge is that everybody is doing it. Isn't it? Everybody is wearing it. Everybody is saying it. But when I look at the story in the book of Daniel, there were three young people. And everybody was worshipping. As the music, the sound of music came, they all began to worship the idol of Babylon. And the story was said, everybody did it. So the king got a statistical report. Give me a report. How many are worshipping me? They said 99.99999. <laughs> Not everybody. Three people defied the statistics. Three people said, we will not stand. We will not worship. Don't go with the crowd. Hallelujah. You are unique. You are the circumcised. Doesn't matter how big the giant is. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? God has called me to stand for his glory. And he said, I'm going to take away the shame that he's putting on us. The next thing we also see that that we are to call, we are called to use the spiritual armor. Amen. I thank God for the armor he has given to us. Spiritual armor. Not for protection only, but also to, you know, the offensive. When Saul tried to put the armor of, uh, on King David, or young David, he said, I can't. I, you know, I believe this is one of the challenges the church has, as I mentioned yesterday, the next generation. The next generation are armored. We cannot fit it to them. Amen. The first thing was Saul never used it, right? <laughs> Saul never used his armor. And he was trying to put on. Be careful. Today there's so much in the media methods and ways of doing ministry, isn't it? There's so much. There's no lack of plans, no lack of strategies. But the lack is about are they from the Spirit of God, right? And I want to say, senior pastor, don't put your armor. Train them through their experience, the next generation. They were, they were trained in the wilderness, looking after sheep. They have fought the lion. They have fought the bear. Acknowledge those experiences. Acknowledge the little victories they have had that God is preparing them for something great. Hallelujah. And so he, uh, uh, he goes to the stream. The Bible says in verse 40, and he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream. I believe it's time for us to go to the river. Go to the stream. Hallelujah. He went to the river of the Holy Spirit. I believe when you go to the river of the Holy Spirit, God will give you weapons. He give you stones. Hallelujah. And as you begin to take those, you know what happened? When you take spiritual weapons, the enemy feels that he's only a dog. 
As soon as David went with these weapons in verse 43, and he said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? <laughs> Everybody said we are like grasshoppers when they, they spied the land, but now the devil recognized that they are not just <laughs> giants, they are only dogs. Hallelujah. There are people here this morning, you feel that the problem is so big. But when you begin to take the weapons of the Holy Spirit, the, the giant will talk about himself as a dog, right? He said, do you think I'm a dog? Yes, he thought he was a dog. That's why he took a stick. <laughs> Amen? He didn't have this big armor. He took a stick. Why? Because it's only a dog. Your perspective changes when you focus on the spiritual. Hallelujah. And finally, we, there's so much. Uh, he talks big. The enemy always talks big, right? <laughs> it's time that we also talk big. Right? I want you to begin to talk big about God. I like those songs that we sang. He reigns above it all. He's not somewhere in a corner waiting for things to happen. He's reigning. He's above it all. Reign above it all. Over the universe. Over every heart. There is no other name. Begin to talk big about God. That's why King David later on he said, I will magnify the Lord. Oh, magnify the Lord. Exaggerate about God. Not your problem, right? Magnify. Talk big about God. Worship. I believe that's what worship is about. You talk, you, you talk big about our God. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. When you see the mountain, I see the mountain move. When you see the enemy, I see victory. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Will you begin to speak that? Because King David, he, when he, when he looked, listened to the devil, he said, I'm going to cut you into pieces. I'm going to feed you to the birds in the air. All that he was saying, but he said, you come against me with a sword and a spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. I come against you in the name of the Lord. I believe the church is yet to discover the power of the name of Jesus. It's more than a mantra at the end of a sermon or end of a prayer. The name above it all. The name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow. And then he also said the battle belongs to the Lord. Verse 45 David said to the Philistine, you come against me with the sword and the spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of armies of Israel, whom you defied. And then all those who gathered here will know it's not by sword or spear that God saves, for the battle is the Lord's. Hallelujah. I like the song you sang. When, I, when you see the battle, I see the victory. Amen. Also saying, why am I fearing what already you have conquered? In the story, the amazing thing was the battle wasn't between two armies. It was between an army and one person, and that one person was David. Amen. And today our battle is not between the armies. It's Jesus. And his victory is enough. Hallelujah. He has won the victory. He had defeated the enemy. The battle belongs to the Lord. And this morning, I want you to begin to speak to your battle. I know if you're a pastor, you're battling with issues in your church. 
You know, I pastored for so many years, you know, and I know when, when people become, uh, I call them the, the, not the demon possessed, deacon possessed, you know, like <laughs> people in the church start fighting and, and gives you sleepless nights. You have battles outside. I remember once uh, I, the church I passed pioneered few, many years ago, uh, God began to bless our church and there was no other place to get the uh, hall because we didn't have enough money to build so we rented different place and the biggest hall was the city hall and uh, being a Buddhist country they don't give that so but anyway I said God said go and speak to the leader the municipal the leader the, the mayor so I made an appointment I went with another friend of mine who he knew the mayor and we went and sp tried to speak to him about getting this hall and he was very rude to us very rude. He looked at me and said, we, we don't give this for religious purpose. Please go. He didn't say get out, but he gave another word. He didn't give an, he, he never listened to us. He said, go, please. No, we can't give this. And I was very upset. I was very angry also. And, and I came back and I told the church, we're going to pray. God teach that guy a good lesson, you know. <laughs> right. I began to react and do this against the giant. And as I was praying for about three or four days, the Holy Spirit said, you know, what did I tell you to do? Those who persecute you, those who are against you, your enemies, what do you do? Bless them. I said, Lord, that, I can't do that to that guy. <laughs> I still, that, that, the sound is resonating in my mind every time I think of him, the echo. He spoke to me, a servant of God. He doesn't know who he is. <laughs> but the Lord said, you change. You have given you weapons that are different. And begin to worship me and begin to bless him. So with greatest difficulty, I changed my prayer. <laughs> I said, Lord, bless him. Lord, bless him. You know what happened? Three months later, God blessed him and he was promoted to be a director. <laughs> of a big organization in Colombo. He left. <laughs> and the one who came after that, he gave us the hall. <laughs> I know some of you are facing giants and you are still using, you are reacting, responding, but begin to see what the word of the Lord says. Amen. Use those weapons. The battle belongs to the Lord. But the final thing about this story is that this whole thing was a big beginning of a missional call to the nations. So listen to this. It's the last verse. And in this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands. And he said that the whole world will know there's a God in Israel. When he stood that ground, he did not standing for himself or Israel. He was standing for the whole world to know that there's a God in Israel. David was one of those missional leaders. He was not only thinking of Israel's survival. He was thinking the whole world must know the gospel. Whole world must know the gospel. There are 8 billion people in the world today. Out of the 8 billion, about 5 billion are yet to be reached. And out of 5 billion, the 3 billion, as I said, are the most unreached people groups. If you count 3 billion people, just sit down and just count. Start now. Give one second for each of those people. One, two, 
three, four, five. Do you know how long it will take to count three billion people? Somebody can calculate quickly a second. It will take almost 90 years, 90 years to count the three, lost, three billion lost people. If you line them one by one, one behind each other, you know how long that line will go, the three billion people over 37 times around the world. That's the giant we have. But David says, I'm standing here because that the whole world, you were talking about these three billion people in this right now, they will come to know there's a God in Israel. Amen. Hallelujah. I believe God has called us for that. He has called us for something bigger. Nations, cities, and giants. Whom are you facing? God is calling some people to face giants, maybe their personal, personal life. But God is also calling to stand in your city. You know, when I went to that city to pastor the church, one of the things God told me to do was to walk all over the city and say to myself, not to the world, I am come to this city. I am more important than the mayor of this city. I am more important than the member of parliament in this city. I am more important than the richest man in this city. I am more important than any biggest person in this city because I am here. I represent the kingdom of God. And God has placed you over cities. Don't be intimidated. I love to go to big cities, and one thing I do, and I walk up and down. I like this city. Every city I go, I travel to maybe about 200 cities in the world. Every place, one thing I do is I walk up and down, and I declare, I'm called for cities. Hallelujah. God has called you for cities. He has called you for nations, these ethnic groups. I want you as a pastor in your church, you know, my church, um, I, I became superintendent, and so I want to become full-time. And so I left my church, and I went to the city, and I was uh, pastor the pastor so, for many years. And while I was doing that, uh, we had a problem church, you know, a pro church with a problem. I, I know you don't have them here, <laughs> but uh, and this church was that uh, there was a big split in the church. The pastor and the leaders started fighting, and, and then they fought against the organization because our movement, AG, we owned the property. So they said, no, this is our property. We gave the money. AG did not give any money, so why should they have it? We want it back. And so they went to court. There were two court cases. One had gone right up to the Supreme Court to challenge the ownership. And so... And the pastor said, can you come and please help me? So I tried to help, and in the process, he, he suddenly died. He had diabetes, and he died. So here I was left without a church, without a pastor. Had a small building, and uh, about 20 people, no money, no people. Good church to take over, isn't it? <laughs> so I said, OK, I'll come, and I'll be interim. I'll try to find another pastor. And then. Uh, but one day as I was in that church, they had only a hall and a toilet, that's all, and a small uh, room, a storeroom. They had put some stuff. Next to that, there was a parsonage. You know, that means the pastor's house. But they were occupying it. They said, we will not leave. We will not give this church land to you. And so here I was with this problem church. 
you know, one day I was going somewhere I, at the airport, I met one of the cricketers, you know, I don't know, you know, Sri Lankan cricketer, Ramesh Ratnayaka. He said, Pastor, you know, I, I came to your church about five years ago. When I came, there were two people with guns fighting at the gate. <laughs> your church. <laughs> that was before I took over. They're the big issues. So I said, Lord, what do I do with a church with problems? Right? You know what the Lord said? You begin to think about cities, nations, and giants. He said, make this church a missionary church. Any church that exists for itself will always have problems. But when we exist for the nations, and so what I did was uh, I, I cleared that room with the storeroom with all the stuff, and I, uh, there was no window, it's only a door. I put air conditioner, I put some mats on the floor, carpets, and I put all the maps of the world. And I told my people, do you want to travel the world? You don't need passports, you don't need visas, come to the prayer room and begin to pray for nations. And we began to pray for the nations. Our people used to come, the very few we had. I said, enlarge your vision. Nations, giants, and cities. That's what God has called us for. Not just to run a church. Amen? Not to run a church. And sadly, there are, there, there are, uh, there is what I call it the, the conflict of roles today. And that is, we, we are trying to build the church, isn't it? I speak to pastor, I say there are three kinds of people. Number one, one group says, we are building Jesus' church. Others say, Jesus is building our church. The third group says, I am building my church. <laughs> right? But Jesus said, I don't want any of you, because I said I will build my church. So you are, you are in the wrong role. What did he ask us to do? He said, go and make disciples of all nations. I tried to build my church for many years, and God said, you are in the wrong role. You occupy my role, and that's why you are not doing it. You begin to disciple nations. So I got this church, and we began to pray for people in India. We took one of these unreached people groups from a state called from Rajasthan and said, we are going to adopt these people and we're going to pray that God's going to send us missionaries from here. Small church. And from our church, we began sending missionaries out to India, to Bangladesh. We supported people. And you know, the long story short, when I left the church four years ago, we had a seven-story building. We had three congregations. God blessed us beyond what you could ever imagine. Hallelujah. Begin to think about nations, cities, and giants. Hallelujah. And God is calling you as a leader. Hear, O Israel, this day you are to cross over this Jordan. I want you to cross this Jordan today and say, yes, Lord, you're going to stand before Nations, king, uh, cities, and giants. I want you to stand this morning as we pray. There be enlargement of your thinking, enlargement of your perspective about why you exist. God has called us, like King David, 
or young David, this is before he became king, young David, to stand before the giants. He defied the generational statement, who can stand? No one can stand. But he said, no, I will stand. Because I am the seed of Abraham. I'm the circumcised. I have the missional call. Nations, cities, and giants. Hallelujah. Father, I just pray for your presence and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You said, you shall receive power and the Holy Ghost shall come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses. You never said you try to be my witness. You never said attempt. You said you shall be my witnesses. From Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Hallelujah. Father, I just thank you that you begin to enlarge our boundaries today. Enlarge the boundaries. Enlarge our boundaries right now this morning as the Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit is the one who can enlarge from Jerusalem to Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth. I pray that you begin to enlarge our capacity in you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. There are few here who are, who are facing your own giants. But God is saying to you, remember behind the giant is your destiny. Don't let him stop you. Don't let him stop you. Don't tell him, let him tell you lies. Repent of those, believe in those lies. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. I believe the lie of the devil. I believe the lie. I'm sorry, Lord. You repent. Say, Lord, I just turn away from the lies of the enemy. Forty days, they listen to the same thing. Maybe you repeated, they heard the same old lie. But today you can stand and say, no, the truth is I'm a child of God. I'm the seed of Abraham. I'm born to stand before giants. I'm born to take over cities. I'm born to take nations. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And there are others here who have been using the Saul's armor. Generationally, you have been handed over from others the methods and the means how to do it but God is saying right now is to put that armor away and go to the stream of the Holy Spirit go to the stream go to the river and you God is going to give you weapons God's going to give you weapons and they may not sound very effective or look effective or more big as the giant God doesn't need a big solution for a big giant he needs only a small stone right amen and some of you have been praying for a huge solution to your... God is saying, I've given you a small thing. Begin to use it. Amen. The Holy Spirit is going to give you right now. Just lift your hands. If you've been struggling with methodology and tactics and strategies, say, Holy Spirit, just give me your weapons. I come to the river this morning. I come to the river. I come to the river. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We come to the river. You give us the weapons which are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us the weapons. I receive that now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Receive that. We receive now from that river, the stones. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father. Hallelujah. We are also going to use you today to become missional, begin to think of nations. Yes, I know you have been surrounded by the four walls and the few people in the church. 
God's plan for you is bigger than the number of your church or the number of chairs in your building. God has a bigger plan than that. This morning, God is going to break through those barriers, the strongholds. Your church also has become a stronghold in your mind. You can't think anything else but your church. You eat, you dream, you sleep, your church. But God is saying, I'm going to break out of it today and see your church as my church. My church. The gates of hell, you are destined to walk into the very gates of hell, shall not prevail against it. Hallelujah. Father, I just release that anointing. Lord, that the concept of church will totally change in their minds, Lord. That they will know that the church is not the end in itself. It's only the means to do something bigger, something greater. Lord, I just pray right now, take that focus away. Lord, from their church, that, that you, you, you use them as a mighty army, Lord, to raise them up. Take cities, nations, and giants, O oh Lord. Thank you, Father. Mm, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. That the whole may, world may know there's a God in Israel. Your church, you operate locally, but God has a global call. Global call. Will you accept that today? I'm a part of God so loved the world. He did not love only my city, but he loved the world. I want to be a part of that. I just want to be begin missional thinking, nations, kingdoms. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. At least I feel that about five or six pastors. God really wants you to think outside your church. It's a very difficult thing because you 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 live for your church. God said you live for the kingdom, not for the church. I will look after your church, but you begin to think of nation, the lost, the, those three billion people who are lying, you know, you're still counting, but God said, I'm going to use you. Hallelujah. Father, I just released that anointing. You said the Holy Spirit is a spirit of missions. You are the one who spoke in the church in Antioch, and you said, separate Paul and Barnabas for the things which I have separated them for. I pray from their churches, they begin to separate people, to send out, send out to the lost people. Lord, that no longer they will count how many they are seating, but they will be counting how many they are sending. Lord, that not the seating capacity, but the sending capacity will increase, O oh Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. I just want the worship team to sing that song again. When you see the giant, I see the, or whatever the song, that battle. You know, just let go. The battle belongs to the Lord. I know it's a beautiful song, but to still hold on to the battle fighting for your church, fighting for your city. Just let go and say, the battle belongs to the Lord. You're going to go back from here. A change. You're not going to go as intimidated and fearful. You're going to go as victorious in Christ. Amen? Amen. Will you do that? Will you do that? Begin to see that. When all I see the battle, you see the victory. Let's see what God sees. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.